It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sorry for the delay, but I think you'll agree it was definitely worth it. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, the only podcast about Northampton Town Football Club. My name's Charles and alongside me I have this week for you Neil and Chessie. Danny, unfortunately, is still waiting for a train to pick him up from London Euston, which may or may not arrive in time for Saturday's visit by Cambridge United. How are you doing, guys? You okay? Yep, good, thank you. Splendid, splendid, splendid. Thank you, Charles. Lovely stuff. So coming up today, well, we've got quite a bit to talk about, but nothing as much as last week, thankfully, and we're definitely not all doom and gloom either. So since the last time we spoke to you, um, well, Keith Curl has decided to basically rub all of our noses in it, hasn't he? And has picked up six points out of a possible six, beating both Salford and Carlisle United uh, by two goals to nil each, which uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, But we'll come to all of that a little bit later on. Um, First of all, I wanted to talk about um, something that's a... I, I don't know. It, it's 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 everything that's been going on lately. With obviously the fact that we travelled up to Carlisle late on a Tuesday night, or at least we were travelling back late on a Tuesday night. It's a long way to go, isn't it? And I'd just like to say well done to the 176 of you that made the journey all the way up there and back. The 480 mile round trip, I think it was Neil. Yeah, uh, 481. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm I'm, I'm so sorry for that one. <laughs> I have completely made that up. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair old track, though. They've done a, it's a hell of a job, and they were very. They came across very loud, didn't they? They certainly did. I mean, it was at times they were they were louder than the home support, which you know obviously outnumbered outnumbered them by quite a lot. I think they were louder than the home support consistently. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much the whole way through. Did you see? I, I take it we all watched it on iFollow, didn't we? Because, um, well, we're, I was in Kent. Uh, you're lazy, Neil, and Chessie's obviously in Somerset. So, a uh, bit of a distance for us all to go to. Um, but uh, you- oh, well, I don't know. I didn't get out of work until six o'clock. Well, that's not my problem. You're the boss. Well, well yeah, true. <laughs> I do have a boss, though. <laughs> But did you see, uh, there's a terrace, isn't there, on the same side of the ground as the dugout that literally had like one row of people stood on it. Yeah. <laughs> as we were watching on iFollow, it was kind of on the left-hand side, wasn't it, of the, of the pitch? Yeah. And it was, when you go away from home, you'll always kind of tend to congregate, won't you? Yes, you'll get the odd few people that decide to sit on the outskirts, maybe get away from the really rowdy bunch. But most fans will congregate behind the goal, and it'll be just a big lump of people, won't it? But this stand was just a, a long, straight line full of people from one end of the stand to the other, with no one behind them, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, it was very reminiscent, wasn't it, of a of a non-league sort of view, where, you know, there's no real stand, although there was actually a stand there, but there's no real stand there, and there's just a line of people stood along the side of the pitch. It, it was good, wasn't it? And it was- yeah, sorry, I, I did think to myself when I saw it, I was like, they must be really miserable. Because <laughs> <laughs> it can't have been that warm. It's never that warm in Carlisle, is it? And it was very, very windy, uh, as we could tell from following an iFollow and the mic issues that BBC Northampton had and stuff. So they, and they, were, so they were a bit open to the elements, and then they've not really got anyone to talk to, and they were watching Carlisle. I must say, it's... One of those towns, or Carlisle's a city, I think, actually. But you know, to have I is think, it? Well, maybe I don't know. Is it a town or a city? Does it does it have does it have a cathedral? Because if it has a cathedral, it's a city. If not, it's a town. Uh, I don't know. Carlisle is a city. There you go. There we go. So it's got a cathedral then. Uh, I well, yes, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah, it has to because otherwise, it can't be a city. Oh, fair enough. I'm sure that's the right information. Sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure uh, it is. Because that's why Northampton Town is a town. Because it can't be a city because it's not got a cathedral. But, but how do Milton Keynes apply for city status every time it comes available? <laughs> that's very Because they haven't got a cathedral. <laughs> they haven't got a cathedral. I mean, barely a town. But, you know, let's just <laughs> scoot over that one. Um, so, yeah, the, the other thing, obviously, uh, speaking of non-league, as you were earlier. Hold on. Oh, hang on, hang on. We, we, what's happening? We have got a cathedral. Ha- we have. Or Carlisle. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we have. No, no, no Carlisle right, okay. Cathedral <laughs> tick. Northamp- Northampton Cathedral tick. Really? Yeah. Where? I can tell you. <laughs> NN26QJ. <laughs> is that when Google Maps loads? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is the Catholic Cathedral of Our Lady Immaculate and St. Thomas and Can of Canterbury or something? I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've been many a time for Christmas. Oh, very good. Okay, well, anyway, uh, speaking of non-league as you were earlier, Neil... Um, Sorry, we digress. <laughs> the Cobblers have drawn an away tie at a uh, well-known football club, Chippenham Town, in the first round of the FA Cup. Uh, Neil and I obviously won't be there. We'll be on the beers, Charles. Um, 
be on the beers, yeah. Uh, but we're hoping for a televised tie, aren't we? So we can catch it while we're sunning ourselves on the golf course. Absolutely. Well, we'll be. Well, let's be honest. If 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 we're on TV and it's during that time, we will not be at the, on the golf course, will we? Oh, that's true. That is very true. In fairness, um, but but Chippenham Town, um, Jesse, local to you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, kind of. Maybe just under two hours, I think, from mine. So not too bad. So that's a... pretty pretty local, considering where you are. Yeah, considering. But um, when it came through, um, Sean texted me straight away and said, "We'll do that one." So mm. yeah, we'll do. We'll definitely do that one because it is fairly fairly straightforward, straight up the M5. So we should be there. Fairly straightforward. However, banana skin potential as well. Obviously, no. I mean, I mean the, I mean the journey, not the performance. <laughs> the journey will be fine. The performance, however, questionable. Mm-hmm. Are you worried at all, Neil? Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, hold on. What do you mean about going to Chippenham as cobblers, or um, in ge- just yes. worried in general? <laughs> well, uh, no. About about the cobblers going to Chippenham. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've we've got history, haven't we? Not with Chippenham, obviously, but Canby Island. Oh, don't don't remind me. Basingstoke. I know we know eventually we beat them on penalties, but Stour Bridge. Stour Bridge. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, I'd blank that one out. Thanks, Chessie. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Rob, Rob Page's last stand. Yeah. <laughs> Before he started taking the mick out of girls. Poor old Rob Page. <laughs> Poor old Rob Page. You're having a Poor laugh, aren't you? Yeah, well, he's a human, isn't he? Come on. Yeah, that's true. I'm Nicky Adams, and it's all cobblers to me. Right, so um, let's let's have a look back then. Um, what should we do? Should we talk about Salford very, very quickly? Yes. Yeah. Um, in in that case, uh, well, what did you first of all? First question is, uh, what did you make of the class of '92's uh, Salford City side? Appalling. Atrocious. 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 Not very good. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, is it is it fair to say we were maybe expecting a bit more from them? Yeah. Uh, it, someone, I can't remember who it was, someone said it on the Twitter after the game that it looked like a non-league club versus a league club um, with us being the league club. And, and I... I for once, which, which is quite an achievement for us. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I know we'll probably discuss it a little bit more in depth in a minute. I actually thought we were quite poor against Salford, um, but they were a terrible. I can't remember what, what number their defender was. Can you remember? He, he he probably had one of the world's worst games of football I've ever witnessed. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. That's saying something for you, isn't it? I mean, we've all seen you play. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what number he was, but there was a, there was I think at least twice he tried to clear it and it went straight up. It, in the air, and he had to head it, head it himself. I can't remember which number he was, but he's terrible. Was it Richard Hope? <laughs> it was not Richard Hope. Richard Hope would not have done that. He'd have just tried to head everything and invariably missed it. That, that's true. Yeah, and fair, fair point. <laughs> fair point. Um, but yeah, they didn't really put up much resistance, did they? And is it fair to say that, that the Cobblers didn't have to play that well to beat them? Yeah, that's that's a totally fair statement. We, to be honest, we didn't really turn up. Um, it was poor. We didn't play how we can. We played much better than when I saw them when we played Leighton Orient. Much better. Um, but it was still very inconsistent and very much um, lethargic. But it, it, we did exploit every weakness they had. And we're not particularly good at doing that. But, but they were just so poor. So is that the same for you then, Neil, do you think? Just a, a walk in the park, basically? 
Um, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say it was a walk in the park. I think there was. I mean, Salford were ridiculously poor. Um, I was never. I mean, I never. Like, they had about a ten. 10 or 15 minute spell in the first half at some point where they had a little bit of attacking prowess and I lose the, I use that term lightly. Um, but I thought they were, they were genuinely really, really poor. And I, I didn't think we needed to do much to beat them. I mean, the first half, I, I thought, especially the first half on against Salford on Saturday was so dull and so boring. Like, so much so that I had two people shout at me to wake up so i think i was i was obviously clearly looking either looking asleep maybe i was asleep i don't know <laughs> did anything happen in the first half <laughs> well do you know what though it's funny that you say that but last night against carlisle the first half was pretty dull as well wasn't it i mean is it do you think a game plan now let's just bore everyone to death in the first 45 minutes including the opposition and then hit them spectacularly in the second half I wouldn't use spectacularly as the adjective, let's be honest, because <laughs> spectacularly isn't, isn't a word to describe Northampton Town at the moment. But I do, I, do, I, do, I do agree to a certain extent that they kind of, I think what they do is they coast through the first half in the hope not to concede and then try in the second half. But weirdly enough, I had a conversation with Danny, I think, at halftime, because me and Danny were sat two rows away from each other, so we were really close. And I actually said to Danny at, at half time in the Salford match, I'm really glad we didn't go 2 0 up because I think it was the kind of game that if we'd have gone 2 0 up in that first half, we'd have absolutely capitulated and fallen apart in the second half and just sat back. And, and Salford would have thought, oh, hang on a minute, they've gone to sleep it, and they'd, they'd have definitely got something from that game. And I said to Danny, I really, really hope we hold on to this and hope that this pays off, that we've not scored a game because they're going to have to come out and they're going to have to play a game to get in the goal, which is what they did. I mean, it was very, very average of a performance for us, but at least we came out with a little bit more intent in the second half. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Because it was it was an average performance and we won 2-0. And <clears throat> what was those two games we drew two all with? One was Morecambe, wasn't it? Who was the one Crawley. at home? Crawley. We actually played all right that game, I thought, despite drawing two all. Um we definitely played better that day than we did against Salford. And yeah, look at the results. It's just weird, isn't it, how it works? It is strange. I mean, let, let's just move on to Carlisle because it's it's the fresher game in our minds. Um, were, were you at all surprised at Billy Waters' inclusion? He was obviously made his first start of the season, in the league at least, at um, during the Salford game, at the Salford game, but then kept his place in the starting lineup for Carlisle. Um, one of the things that I saw a lot of on social media, and it was mentioned in the match commentary on Radio Northampton um, for both games, um, was Billy's, let's say, inability to fall over gracefully. <laughs> Dive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I couldn't, I can't say anything about Saturday. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But, the, the 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 dive that he made that he was yellow carded for at Carlisle was was a, it was horrible, wasn't it? We don't really we can't turn around and, and and have a go at opposition players for doing it and not do it when it's one of our own, can we? No, and his dive against Salford was equally as bad. Um, Charlie Good does it; he dives 
let's not dress that up either. However, he's very, very cute with it. Very cute. And it's, you can see why he gets free kicks from it because he's very, very clever with how and when he dives and he almost sort of makes out that there's a touch that's made him go. He's just very clever with his diving. Um, and he, he did it again last night. Uh, again, or, sorry, Tuesday night against um, Carlisle. And he did it on Saturday. He does it every game, but he does it really well. Um, but Billy Wars hasn't quite got that that down to a T. I don't think it's just too obvious. It's just like, oh, he's gone down again. That's definitely a dive. The thing that confuses think- me is that why does he feel like he, he needs to be doing that? And I say that both to Charlie Good and to to Billy Waters. Tim Oglethorpe wasn't happy with him at all on the commentary uh, on Tuesday night when when he was booked because there was an opportunity for him to cross the ball and you know for us to actually have an attempt, hopefully on target. I'm not, I'm not for one second saying that you know we're practicing that in training, but there must be an element of somebody's told him surely that. When you get the opportunity, go down. What do you reckon, Jesse? Um, I think generally, actually, on that topic, I don't think our discipline's particularly strong this season. But equally as well, it frustrated me on Saturday when he did it. Because if you actually looked at it, because I was in the West Stand towards the North End, which is where it happened. And it was directly in front of both me and Neil and Danny as well. And he I was actually, probably asleep, Jesse. To be fair, you probably were asleep. But in in diving, he actually took the ball away from Andy Williams. It had fallen right at Andy Williams' feet. And all he had to do was literally just lay the ball off to him and it would have been clean through on goal. And instead, he dived and the whole movement was gone. We'd have, we'd have, I'm sure we'd have, we'd have scored if he hadn't have dived. And that's a frustrating thing because you're with Charlie Good, he does it, but it's in a defensive role. So... It doesn't have so much of a severe impact on the game. But when you're doing it when you're a striker and potentially then squandering a chance to score, it's just nonsensical. I mean, the one thing that I will say is that, and I've seen a few people on social media say this as well, is that in a way it's kind of nice to see a cobbler's side doing the dirty side of the game. I think... A lot of the time, and I don't know whether this is actually a, a thing that every football fan of every football club believes, but you always feel like the opposition do it to you every week, and and we're too nice, um, and it you know oh, we, we would we don't do that kind of thing, and and I'm sure that there are players in the past throughout the past who have done it. We've had that conversation before, haven't we? But it's it's always felt to me like we're a little bit too nice and it's maybe nice now to see the that that we are attempting the dark arts of football a little bit yeah i think it's you just got to be cuter with it and <laughs> not get caught is that what you mean <clears throat> yeah basically yeah and don't, don't be so obvious it like it's billy was perhaps needs to to have some diving practice in training maybe um, <laughs> like that advert do you remember that advert i can't remember what it was for but it was like the all the players were just in training diving that was their training session <laughs> i think you're right though mate i think i do, I do think other teams do it and i mean technically it's cheating right but it's, it's it's a part and parcel of modern football now isn't it and i don't really like it however Excuse me. It's a bit of, you know, if you can't beat them, join them type thing, isn't it? Look, it happens at a, a national level uh, in international games and stuff, doesn't it? It happens 
at every level of football now. It's it's unfortunately part and parcel of football. Was it Ian Townsend that um, said on Facebook that everybody does it, and while it's not right, there's you're fooling yourself to say that you'll change it on your own by being the one team that doesn't do it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, you you know you can't you can't stop it, so you might as well reap the benefits of it, right? So I I don't have too much of an issue with it, but I do have an issue with it being yeah. so brazen. Well, let's uh, while we're on the subject of diving, um, let's talk about Charlie Good in a little bit more detail. Um, what a diving header that was on the floor! <laughs> oh, what a guy! I, oh, How good was that? It was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? But I love I love that sort of thing. I do because he could have had his head clean taken off. I mean, we'd have been sat yeah. there being sick, wouldn't we, if that had happened? But instead, he's put his head right where it could have potentially hurt, and he's he's not only not only has he put the defender up, but he's he's technically he's cleared the ball. It wasn't. It was a great clearance. Yeah, it was fabulous. And I mean, it's the way that to use the same word again. It was so brazen and bold just to just to do it and it was it's one of those things where he clearly just didn't think about anything else but protecting his goal yeah that was all he was bothered about and that's that's what has made charlie good so you know such a hero for want of an overused word i know but you know he's really endeared himself to the cobbler's faithful since he signed on loan initially last january um and he played through the pain barrier last january didn't he yeah, I mean, look, well, he, he's January, wearing that, when he was last here, yeah. Yeah, wearing that face mask. And I, I remember, and I know you're probably going to take the mickey now, but I remember at the Crew Away game last year, the fans were really chanting his name. And, and, and you know, Tim Oglethorpe then then said, oh, the fans were, were chanting your name. What was the song called? You know, can you remember what the song was? And it was like we were just singing his name over and over again. <laughs> that difficult ditty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's really, really managed to cement himself into the the hearts and minds of, of the Cobblers fans, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's great. And I think you, you need, it, especially as, I mean, I guess even more so as captain, it's a, it's a shining example to the other the other team members and the rest of the squad, you know, like how how important it is to, to put your body on the line and to and to try and win every ball and, and to not shirk your responsibilities and stuff. I, and I, I love to see that sort of thing. And you can think in the past how many defenders we've had that wouldn't do that and would, you know, would would do anything if the ball was, if someone, if an opposition defender had a shot and the ball was flying towards their head, they'd probably move their head out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to mention him, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's great. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's, it's all you ask for, isn't it? You know, effort and and show some passion and stuff. And and he does, he shows, you know, he shows some passion after the games, whenever we win, he's fist pumping the air and all that sort mm. of stuff, isn't he? And, and I love that sort of thing. And uh, it helps that he's, he's, he's actually a good defender as well. Yes, it does help, doesn't it? I mean, if he was terrible, it, it wouldn't, everyone would be saying, oh, we love him, but he's just not good enough. And but it's a shame he's, he's not good he's, enough. He's cost them as goals. Yeah, that kind of thing. Whereas it's great that he's actually a good, solid defender. He's a great captain and a great leader on the pitch. Um, by leading by example, isn't it? He doesn't. He, he doesn't come across as being the biggest shouter, and 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 the one that will really have a a pop at anybody. Um, but he leads by example, and I think that's great. And it. it it's great for the the youngsters that we've got coming through as well, isn't it? Um, 
Scott Pollock obviously started uh, last night alongside Sean McWilliams. So that's a midfield combination that we've not since seen since Cambridge United last year, where we unfortunately came undone. And yet this time around, the midfield looked pretty solid and Scott Pollock scored his first ever professional goal as well. And it was really well taken, wasn't it, Jesse? Yeah, it was brilliantly taken. Um, and he, he shows so much maturity for his age. Um, it didn't seem to be phased by starting and he seems to be able to really control every movement that he makes. He seems to create things. He seems to get into space where he needs to be. And you can't even say that he was just in the right place at the right time because that shot was so well thought out and he knew exactly what he was doing, which sounds a little bit of a ridiculous statement because everybody knows what they're doing when they're having a shot. But he really, you could see he really considered that movement and he knew, he had that knowledge and read that game so well. And I think it was actually helped by the layoff that he got for it as well. We have to mention that. That was really good and the build-up was brilliant. But the fact that he's able to slot into that team at that age, he's 18, isn't he? So, you know, he's really young, new to the game and just showed some real maturity and strength of character to you know, play that, that game like that. I was very, very, very impressed with him. I love the way that on commentary, Tim Oglethorpe asked Martin Smith about his first ever professional goal. And he said, and how old were you, Smudger? And Smudger went, 19. And Oglethorpe just went, oh, Scott Pollock's only 18. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really good, really good. But he 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 definitely showed a maturity, didn't he, with uh, with his play um, on on Tuesday night. And as you say, Chessie, his goal was just so well taken. I mean, I've not stopped watching it because he literally just hammers it in, doesn't he? And it doesn't look like he's got any chance to sort of think about what he's going to do. It literally comes back to him, and bang, it's in the back of the net before you even know about it. But it was the awareness, because you say, oh, he didn't have time to think about it. No, he didn't have time to think about it, but it was the fact that he was aware of what was going on around him. And to be able to have that at that age and be able to know exactly where you need to be, right on the edge of the box, when a perfect position to put yourself in, because you don't know what's going to happen in and around that area. And when it falls to you, he just put his laces straight through it, exactly what you need. So it was well thought out. So would you, this is the big question, Alan McCormack missed out because of illness. I'm presuming this is the same illness that Charlie Goodfell fouled to a, a week or so ago. Um, hopefully he'll therefore be fit again come Saturday against Cambridge. Would you bring Alan McCormack back in and put Scott Pollock <clears throat> back on the bench? Yes and no. Yeah, that's that's my feeling as well. Do you know what? I'm exactly I, I, the same, Neil. Go on. I'd bring McCormack back in, but I'd leave Pollock and McWilliams and I'd, I'd probably drop Billy Waters, bless him. It's harsh, isn't it? I mean, football football is, is a results business at the end of the day, isn't it? And it's it's a hard life. There's only 11 positions available to start. But I think you're probably right. I think that's probably what I'd do as well. The issue is there, though, is where was Billy Waters playing? He's playing on the on the, the wing, wasn't he? Are you therefore moving Sam Hoskins out of that sort of number 10 role, putting him wide, and then you've got McCormack, Pollock, and uh, and Williams in the middle? I don't know, Charles, and if, if I'm honest, it's not my problem. Um, it's <laughs> it's a good Kirst. problem to have. It's Keith Kirst's problem. Um, but I don't know. I think, I, I think both McWilliams 
I mean, Pollock got all the all the plaudits and all the praise against Carlisle because he scored the goal and he, he, he did play really well. Uh, there was numerous times actually where he won the ball, made a sensible pass. Even there was a couple of times where he, he sort of took a touch too many and, and initially lost the ball, but then won it straight back, which was great. But McWilliams was fantastic as well, especially in the second half. He was he was all over the pitch and he was really really good. And I just think McCormack's really important because he's a really calming influence. And he, he he does the simple stuff, and he's he's a bit of an old, experienced head in there. And my issue with Billy Waters is, since he's come back into the team, I mean, he, he had an okay game against Salford. I didn't think he particularly did much against Carlisle, and it's it's probably a bit harsh on him. But would I rather Billy Waters or Scott Pollock be in the team? I'd rather Scott Pollock be in the team. Would I rather Billy Waters or Sean McWilliams be in the team? I'd rather Sean McWilliams be in the team. And same with McCormack and Waters. I'd, I'd rather McCormack. So, but I don't know how that works formation-wise. And ultimately, you've got to pick the right team and not just the personnel, haven't you? Yeah, that that is very true. I mean, I, I asked the question because of the fact that people do seem to be raving a lot about Alan McCormack and, and almost saying that we're, or have been saying that we're a one-man team. And the fact that he's been out injured is, is when we've done badly. Um but that kind of got put to bed on Tuesday night, didn't it? And it's great to see that it's the youth that are doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant to see. Look, to have two in, in centre midfield on, against Carlisle, to have two lads from our academy and are both local Northampton lads. And I don't know if Sean McWilliams professes to be a Cobblers fan, but, uh, you know, Pollock definitely is a Cobblers fan, isn't he? He, he mm. used to have a season ticket and stuff. Um so I don't know. It's 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 great to see that, and and we've been crying out for it for a little while, haven't we? And we've been saying, look, you know, we were promised these youth players getting a game and stuff, and now we're finally seeing that come to fruition, I guess, which is which is great. And as long may it continue, I've, I've no doubt that they'll need to be managed, and I've no doubt that you know they will need to have little spells in and out of the team, so they're not overplayed and stuff. But I think you can see from from the Carlisle game. And I mean, Sean McWilliams has been in around the first team for a while now, but he's, I feel like he's starting to get back to what he thought we could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough to say. Um, I want to actually very quickly also say how well I thought uh, both Dane Oliver and Harry Smith both played when they came on as well. Um, we've given a bit of stick to Harry Smith in the past, well, every pod since the beginning of the season. But I thought he actually had a re- he had his best game for the Cobblers on Tuesday night. I agree. I thought he was excellent when he came on. And I thought, actually, what I thought was interesting was, yes, there was some long balls up to him. There was also a hell of a lot of balls into his feet um, and, and a couple of balls for him to sort of stretch those long legs of his and, and sort of move on to and stuff. And I, and I think actually when we play to his feet, he looks better. I, I think it helped him. There was numerous times where the ball would come into him and he, you know, he, he held it up for a minute and then, well, not not a minute, that'd be ridiculous, but you know what I mean, for, for a brief second and then and then laid it off. Um, he set up a chance, didn't he? I can't remember whose it was. Um, but I thought he was good and I thought he was a real handful. Um, so long may that continue. And, it, and I think in the second half, and especially in the second half against Carlisle, we played a bit more football and yes, we mixed it up and yes, there was some long punts and some direct balls and stuff, but it wasn't, constantly like that there was some ball on the floor bit of football some nice passing and and then I've got no issue with us mixing it up like that it's when it's constantly long and constantly just lumped forward that's when it 
is horrible to watch and, and dire, but it wasn't like that on Tuesday. It was, don't get me wrong, it was still relatively, what's the word, sort of mechanical, and there's still a bit of a way to go, I guess, to get it a bit more fluid. But there were signs there where we were starting to mix it up a bit, and I think we look a lot better when we play football. I, I'd, I'd agree with you there, and I think maybe Harry Smith is a bit of a Peter Crouch-style striker. Yeah, he can score with his head, but that's not his best attribute. And the fact is, is that he's tall leads you to sort of think that that's what he should be doing when really it's not. And he should be treated as though he is an, a normal average sized human being. You are normal sized. like the green giant. He was, not he? But if, uh, the, the other thing, I, I thought both... Harry Smith and and Verdane Oliver, both of them, I think they they both deserved a goal on that performance. Uh, I know Verdane had one or he two; he should have scored at least one, shouldn't yeah, he? he um, but in the end, it didn't matter. Um, and Sam Hoskins popped up with his is it four fourth goal of the season now? Four, yeah. I mean, you know, it, he only but he only scored seven the whole of last season. Don't it? tell Danny that. Yeah. <laughs> Only was it seven? It was, yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah. It was. So actually, if you you compare that to the, to last year, I mean, he's you know putting out a good return there. He's doing well, old Sam Hoskins. He's got um, he's got four assists as well. He, well, he, I think somebody put a stat on the the Twitter or the Facebook earlier today, Wednesday, to say that he's had the most interaction if you like with goals this season i think he's got seven if you if you basically put his goals and his assists together then he's helped to create seven goals um which is more than any other player uh, at least in the cobblers which maybe doesn't make it sound as good as it should do but <laughs> but the fact that he's had more more assists and more goals and, and and you know done a lot more towards getting a goal at the moment than Nicky Adams has, who is let's face it, the guy that every Cobblers fan sort of thought, well, that's where the goals are coming from. I, I mean, it, it is a good return to start off with, and I know that he is still a Marmite player. Some fans love him, some fans don't, but I mean, he is doing well, and he's certainly improved since last season. I think with Sam Hoskins, um, to a certain extent, I think the fans need to have a little bit more faith, and that that's myself included, because um, I don't know whether, Neil, you felt the same, but when he picked up that penalty against Salford... <laughs> <laughs> it's mean, almost a laughter from the crowd. It, it was, and it was this like sharp intake of breath, like, oh, God, like this is going to be awful. And I, I actually looked at Sean and said, well, he's got to score it, yeah, because I was so unconvinced that that we were going to go ahead and it's like we need to sometimes just trust in what he does because he's obviously got that ability and for whatever reason it was just not happening last year so I think we need to come away from what's been happening in the previous seasons and just take Sam Hoskins as the Sam Hoskins we have right now and look at what he's doing right now as opposed to what he's done in seasons gone by because whatever Keith Curl is doing with him is obviously doing a good job and he's working well and it's working. So we need to, I think, trust a little bit more. I like him. I, I, I've never doubted him. I really honest. like him. I really like him, but I don't think he was performing well enough last year. I think this year he is. Yeah, I agree with that. He, he's been great this year and, and long may it continue because actually I think he is, he is he's definitely starting to 
to change opinions of people. I mean, look at us. Like, you know, we've been, we were pretty critical of him last year and at the start of this season, but actually it's difficult to be critical of him now because he's, he's doing well and he's, he's contributing well. And, and, and we've always said about Sam Hoskins, haven't we, that he, he always gives his all and he, and he's, he, he seems like a very likable chap, but we've always wanted that bit more and that slight, you know, end product from him. And you're starting to get that and you're starting to see that, yes, there's still the odd cross that goes awry and that sort of stuff. But, what I think about Hoskins as well is he does his job for the team as well, um, which is sometimes forgotten about. And by by me as well, I sometimes forget that and I certainly have in the past. But he does do a good job for the team as well. So I think it's great to see. Do you, do you think that maybe his penalty um, success, if you like, puts to bed that whole thing of when he has to think about it, he's rubbish. But when it just comes to him, he, he bangs it in the top corner. Because obviously you've got loads of time to think about what you're going to do with a penalty because you're waiting for the goalkeeper to set himself. You're waiting for the ref to decide it's okay to take it. But he picked up that ball straight away. Like there was no denying he was taking that penalty because it was in his hands straight away. Who, who was else it. was on the pitch that could have taken? Because I, I presume Chris Lines is our actual penalty taker, isn't he? Yeah, Lines, Williams. Were they um, both on the pitch? Yeah, yeah, because Williams started. Die Cornell. <laughs> Are we just going to run through the whole squad before we get to yeah. Sam? <laughs> Bless him. No, I, I like, you know, I, and I think I was thinking about this after the Carlisle game and I, was, I can't even remember why I was thinking about it. So I must have seen something on Twitter or something, but um, he's more one of the more senior players now, isn't he? Um, and, and what I mean by that, he's been at the club for ages. Um, well, isn't he the only one that's left from the... From the, yeah. from the championship winning team now? Apart Him and from Sean Williams, yeah. the youth, yeah. Well, Nicky Adams. Nicky Adams, but he went and came back. That's that's true. That's true. But I just think, yeah, he's he's one of the more senior players and I think he seems to be well-liked by all the players. Um, and, I, yeah, it's just great to see. Good. Super Sam. Super Sam, indeed. I'm Alan Neal and it's all cobblers to me. I think, I think it's worth a mention for someone that we've loved on the podcast. Um, but doesn't always get recognised by a lot of fans. But the turn dog. Oh, oh, we love him, don't we? Oh, what a beard for yeah. starters. Still got a love great it. beard. Well groomed, good looking he's, guy. He's well spoken but, as well. Did you see the video he did after the Salford win? Yes, yes, he is well spoken, and he scored against Salford. He did, which is I think that's his fourth this yeah, season, I think isn't so, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's he's ridiculously consistent. And I, I would say he is close to being our best player this season. I agree with that statement. I think he is our best player. Yeah, uh, he's he doesn't really put a foot wrong. And, and I think it goes a little bit under the radar because he does everything with relatively relative ease. And, it, and it's, it's very no-nonsense stuff. And, it you know, he doesn't flap and he's very calm. But he never, he never lets us down. You're right. And I, I just think he deserves a bit of a... A bit of love. I, I think so too. And to be fair, if we had all day, then I think we could go through quite a lot of the players that we've maybe given stick to in the past and say, actually, they're doing a lot better now. And I think that there are certain players like that we've already mentioned, and there's certain other players that we haven't, who, who maybe do deserve a little bit more credit than they've had in the past. Um, but, you know. Yeah. Maybe not Michael Harriman. Well, it's best back in league too. Questionable. Questionable if he's the best. Although be careful because party. now I think his missus follows us on Twitter, so we have to be careful what we say. She does. You're right. <laughs> Hi, Amy. Should we also 
I know we probably want to move on from dissecting the the Salford and Carlisle results. Oh, oh! Have you used the word dissecting as a way to go and link to our goalkeeper? No, I, I, I was, oh, okay. I, I, but I'm happy to talk about him because he did make some great saves, and he's that save t- against Carlisle was smashing. Two clean sheets in a row. Indeed, I wanted to. What were you going? To I say? wanted to. I wanted to give a bit of kudos to Keith Curl. Surprisingly, I know. Oh, really? Are you sure? After last week's part? Well, I am sure because it's it's only right that we we give praise when it's due if we, if we criticise when we think it's due, and and I thought the criticism was fair last week, and I thought that the criticism from the first half against Salford, well, pretty much the performance against Salford was rubbish. The result saved him. Um, and, and the first half against Carlisle was pretty ropey. And I was concerned that we were going down the Scunthorpe route again. Um, but actually, he, he he deserves a bit a bit of praise for the change he made at halftime because that, that definitely changed the game. And it, it definitely impacted the game. And that's what led us to winning the game. Uh, and I saw someone on the, the hotel end the other week saying, can you remember a time when Keith Curl has made a substitution that has directly impacted the game in a positive way for us? And there was there was the Stevenage game, wasn't the way we brought on Harry Smith. But then this is another clear example of that. And it, it gets a lot of stick with some of his substitutions. And, and sometimes they, they can be confusing and we don't really know what's going on. However, last night he got it bang on. I do, I do agree with what Neil's saying. But also, I was thinking about this the other day um, on my way back from... Uh, Northampton when we watched the Salford game and when uh, we did our season preview I remember Charles you saying do you know what at the beginning of this season if I have to have a year and I have to sit through a year of building something to get to a point where this club are progressing and this club are performing well and able to sustain in League Two and then go on to sustain in League One and stay there then so be it and I think this year because of what we've been through in the last four years, we have been a little bit guilty as fans of impatience. I think with Keith Curl, what you said at the beginning of the season, Charles, in the fact that we might have to be patient, I think we might just have to be. And if this year is finishing where we are now, ninth, or maybe even finishing 12th, 13th, 14th, then so be it. Because actually, I honestly don't believe that if this team were to go into the playoffs and get promotion, it would be sustainable. I think we need another year to get that. I, I, I don't. I, I hate to use the building season that Keith Kell uses, but I will use it. Get out, Jesse. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do think we need to really consider that fact because if he is here for the long run, and we are going to stick with him because sacking managers hasn't worked, and we've said that on the podcast last week. We said it at the beginning of the season. So we need to use our judgment fairly with him and I think we're very quick to criticise because we have been through the mill for the last four years but he obviously wants to build something around these players and wants to build a style at this club and that does require our patience and I think we are going to be rocky we are going to be inconsistent I think we just have to put up with it just until we get where we need to be now I'm not saying that means we need to settle for awful performances and, and finishing kind of 17th, 18th and looking at relegation. But we do need to look seriously at our expectations this year and think, actually, are we in a better position than we were last year? Yes. 
is he do are we doing better and playing better than we were last year? I think yes. So I do think with Keith Curl, we need to make sure that we're giving them him that opportunity to build that. And I think we need to just consider the way we what am I trying to say? So the way we are viewing the club and the way it needs to move forward because we are very much like we have to do this we have to do this we need to be up this year well maybe that's not the case maybe we need to have this season to get everything in order to get that style of play and to get it working through the club and then move forward well okay fine but first things first I don't like the way that I've been blamed (laughs) uh second of all (laughs) second of all to to sort of sort of go against that a little bit i mean as as much as as much as i do see what you're saying the fact is is at the same time performance if performances are awful then then attendances are down that means it's not good for the club financially second of all we were promised that we'd see more of these youngsters which i know we've already talked about a little bit earlier on if we're not we're not getting that then we're not getting what we were promised. And therefore, you do end up feeling more anger towards the manager because he's made promises that he's then not keeping. Now, look, along with that, you know, he, we, we said this last week, he never said anything in pre-season about it being a building season. And then he comes out and he says, you know, it's a building season this season. He mentioned it on Tuesday night. Last night, uh, in the in the post match commentary, uh, so post match interview with Tim Oglethorpe and Jake Sharp on the radio, he said people have picked up on the word building season. He's clearly talking to us and the Cron and and the other people in the media and on on Facebook and whatever. But he never said that the first time around. Him now trying to say, well, it is a building season. He's got to understand, and I'm sure he does, he's got to understand how it comes across to the fans. You know, we had we had a terrible run of form, essentially, where we drew two games that we should have won, and then we got hammered away at Scunthorpe. Absolutely hammered. We basically didn't turn up as a team. That all goes back to the manager. He can't then turn around and say, well, this is a building season, and expect the fans just to accept it. I will say that, look, you know, if we have performances like we had last night against Carlisle or Tuesday night against Carlisle and we don't win, but we've got the youngsters in the team, what happens is is that a lot of fans will turn around and say he shouldn't be playing the youngsters. I know he's in a no-win situation, but I think it would be a lot more acceptable to more people if he kept to, you know, you know, if he kept playing the youth and we weren't winning every week, then, then there'd be a little bit more, you know, acceptability about it um, or acceptance about it. His, his big, his big problem is, is the game against Cambridge on Saturday. Um, and what I mean by that is I see that as a bit of an acid test for him um, because we've been here before where, uh, even this season, we've been here before where we thought, hello, we've, we've, we've won a couple of years, we're on the way, we've turned a corner and then it went backwards again, two steps. So uh, I'm really interested to see how we do against Cambridge and what team he picks and how he approaches it because I, I and I'll probably be one of them, if if we have a, a dismal performance and, and get beaten by a couple, 
I'll be back on the the curl out train because I'm fickle. Uh, I'm a football fan. That's what I do. We win, he's great. We lose, he's terrible. Um, so it's, it's a huge game, I think, because win it, A, we're going to be clo- a lot closer to the playoffs and we, we potentially might jump up a couple of places. But B, it it then will start to feel like the corner has been turned and, and actually we're starting to see progression now and we're, we're starting to see what we've wanted to see. Lose it and those questions are going to remain. Yeah, you're completely right. Um, I do think it's only fair that we have that conversation, in fairness, that, you know, if if on Saturday we do lose, we are back to basically where we were before the Sulphur game. You know, the, the expectation has risen again because we've had two wins on the bounce. Um, we've got to now win at home. I don't think that we've necessarily got to have a brilliant performance, although there will be a lot of fans who will turn around and say, they, they did say it after we beat Salford, that the performance was still nothing to write home about and that it wasn't entertaining. Um, but that goes back to the whole, you can't really win in football. Um, yeah. But I think you, you get away yeah, with it if you're that's winning. That's it, isn't it? You do. You get away with it if you're winning. Um, but that's that's still going to cause a bit of controversy isn't it if if we if we only scrape, scrape a 1-0 win there will still be questions there for me um as i know there will be for a lot of fans but at the same time chessy going back to what you've said about being patient then i i do agree with you i can't i can't deny that i do agree i think that we do need to be a bit patient but then again, you see, you know, people come back with valid arguments about, you know, when you say you can't keep sacking managers. Valid argument is, well, you can, you can keep hiring a manager, you know, a different manager until you find the right one. Um, I, you know, it is a difficult one, but that's what football is all about. But Neil, you've mentioned Cambridge, so let's go forward a few days, talk about what we're going to expect. I mean, Cambridge United, they've had some decent results of late. They, um. Their biggest result, I think, they beat Exeter City 4-0. They did. I mean, that that's a, a shock result, really. Um, did, can you really see them pulling off that sort of thing at Six Fields? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> um, is it that much of a shock result that they beat Exeter 4-0? I mean, they're only six points behind them. Exeter are sixth, Cambridge are 11th. I, I just think it's the fact that Exeter were flying high, weren't they? They were doing really, really well. They were. And also, they they basically come off of the back of some not great results prior to it. I mean, if we go back to... Okay, they beat, they beat Mansfield 4-0 on the 17th of September. <coughs> Excuse me. They then... So they beat Mansfield 4-0 on the 17th of September. They then lost to Swindon Town at home. The following match drew one all away at Stevenage, two all at home to Macclesfield. We beat them in the Football League Trophy. I know that doesn't really count. They then lost away at Salford, and then they went and beat uh, went and beat Exeter City four 0 and they followed that up with a nil nil draw against Grimsby on Tuesday night. So yeah, I would say it was a very big shock result. Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it was. Uh, I mean, I mean, Exeter are on a bit of an awful run, aren't they? They've lost their last five. They've lost three, drawn one, and one, one, one. So that they're <clears throat> they're sinking slowly but surely on the face of that. Um, as are Swindon a little bit. You know, they've lost 
they've got the same. It's exactly the same. They've lost three out of their last five and only won one in their last five. Um, Plymouth going the other way, I guess. Um, so it's interesting. I, I don't know. I think I was just looking at the league table because I was just checking Careful. to see how Cambridge are doing, and they've <laughs> uh, they've 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 won five, drawn five, lost five. So they're they're pretty inconsistently consistent, if that makes sense. They're doing a Northampton. Um, is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was just I just I was just having a look at, at our stats, and you know those two games we we threw away two mm. goal leads. Two, two weeks in a row. If we'd have held on to them and won them, yeah. we'd have been fourth. One point off second. So maybe, you know... It's definitely a very, very tight maybe, league this year, isn't it? It's a terrible league, isn't it? It is. I've not seen one good team. No, even even Bradford. You know, Brad, Bradford average. were average. I know they did beat us in the last minute, but they were average. We obviously, we beat Plymouth. And they they're they're the two teams yeah. that were expected to be up at the top, aren't they? This season, yeah. Plymouth are starting to make moves now, aren't they? They're yeah. starting to, to to climb up. Um, and you've got Crew Crew and Cheltenham still up there doing well. Um, and Forest Green actually, but it just shows we're not far off. Um, so you know, I, I think it's a big game against Cambridge. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know we played them in the. Danny's favourite competition, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where, to be honest, I think we were a bit lucky to to come away with a one 0 victory. Um, I just, I just want to have a look who they've got in their team, and I mean, they've got Rico, haven't they? They've got Rico. They've got who else? They got they got Gary uh, Deegan, Jabbo Beery, Gary Deegan, Daniel Jones. Yeah, is that Daniel Jones that used to play for us? Yeah, the left, left yeah, yeah. back, left wing back, yeah. Um, Samir Carruthers, so he's a decent player. Yeah, he's all right, isn't he? Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be, I mean, they're obviously beatable um, and we, we, should, we shouldn't go with any, what's the word, any sort of trepidation as such, but it's that, it's almost that third game syndrome, isn't it? Well, it's, it's also, and I mean, this is the other thing that, that I wondered about was, we were quite attacking against Carlisle, especially in that second half. You've already said about how the, the substitution at halftime definitely made a difference. But Keith Curl really wanted to win that. It's against his former club. Is there an element, do you think, of he just kind of went, well, I really want to win this one, so therefore I'll, I'll, I will risk it and I'll, I'll go more attacking rather than what he would normally do, which is actually shut up shop and... Look, look to see out for a nil-nil. Um, that's what I worry about this coming Saturday against Cambridge, is that he won't be as on the front foot as we really want him to be. Because it, it kind of felt like the Carlisle game, it kind of felt like he unleashed the shackles a little bit in that second half. And, they, and he just basically went, go out and play. He changed formation, he matched up Carlisle with a 3-5-2, and he then just went, go and play. And we were clearly the better team in the second half by some distance, I thought. But I worry about this with, with coming back to Sixfields or the PTS Academy Stadium on Saturday against Cambridge United, who are, you know, they're a local rival. We obviously hate Peterborough more than they do. But I wonder whether he will take a more pragmatic approach to this. And maybe because we are at home, it's against the team he's got no no affinity towards. 
it'll be a little bit more pragmatic. He, he, he might be. He, he might well be. I mean, I think, I think, yes, we've had two good results. We've kept clean sheets, you know, and they've been good results. I mean, there's a little caveat to it that Carlisle are, are terrible, that they're awful. Uh, they've conceded the second most amount of goals in the league. Yeah. Um, they've got a minus a minus twelve goal difference, which is some going um, after fifteen games. Um, Salford are no great shakes either. Either, although actually, you know, saying that they they have exactly the same record as as Cambridge bar bar goal difference, um, but they've won five, drawn five, lost five. So. <laughs> I'd like us to see. I'd, I'd like to see what you're saying, Charles, and I'd like to see on Saturday us coming out on the front foot, a la Plymouth at home, where we were closing them down, weren't giving them time, we were completely up for it, and I'd love to see us come out flying out the blocks like that. I'm with you a little bit though, and I I think we we may well be a bit more conservative, um, certainly in the first half, and and certainly until we've got a foothold in the game, because that does seem to be the way he's starting to get us going is is be a bit cautious to start with, get a foothold in the game and, and a platform to build from, and then we'll go from there, which you, you can understand that as a as an idea. The, the concern, I guess, and the difficulty of that is when when you're not able to switch it up and you're not able to mix it up and start you know, going on the front foot and stuff, that's when it then turns into just a tepid and turgid, ridiculously poor performance. So it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean... I don't really know what Cambridge's style is. I can I can probably quite imagine with Calderwood in charge, um, which I think may play into our hands a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. Um, have you got any uh, interesting facts about Cambridge? You normally have some interesting facts about the opposition, Neil. You you may not know this one, but this is a specific football fact. Oh, specific football. So you'll know, obviously, Cambridge is home to you know one of the oldest universities in the world, but some people call it. Well, beautiful. It's lovely, isn't it? Cambridge is actually a really, really nice place, which which is saddens me to say that. Um, <laughs> but some people do say it's the birthplace of football as we know it. Really? Really. So the Cambridge rules were drawn up at the university in 1863, and they had a large influence on the Football Association's original rules. Oh, interesting. So what they did is they, they banned carrying the ball as well as hacking, which is, in our language, that's kicking in the shins for the first time. <laughs> They, they they implemented the rule that no player was allowed to loiter between the ball and the other goal, which helped formalise the offside rule. So so they weren't a fan of, fan of goal hangers? Basically. They didn't like goal hangers and they didn't like people kicking you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, do you want another one? I, I'd love... Uh, first of all, I, I'd like to know where Cambridge is, please, Neil. Normally you, you let us know exactly where it is straight away. Uh, yeah, sorry, I've 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 left my post, haven't I? I left my duties. So Cambridge uh, famously play at London Road. You'll be pleased to know, um, which is nice. Uh, Cambridge has very good links with China, so I'm thinking potentially we could perhaps get involved and try and locate some of that missing Chinese money. Oh, now, now, allegedly now, missing now. Chinese money. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, a fact about Doctor Who, Giles. You're a big Doctor Who fan. Do you know this one? I, I am still on. Uh, in 1979, a Doctor Who story written by Douglas Adams, who was a Cambridge graduate and author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, was filmed in Cambridge, but it never aired as a result of studio strikes. Sure was. Yeah, there we go. I, I have it on DVD. There we go. 
Well, don't forget, don't don't forget you you've not mentioned punting on the river. Punting, yes, they like a lot of punts over there. Um, quite often heard at the football. I think you punt. What else have we got? Uh, night climbing, which is a frowned upon activity of the students at, at Cambridge University. Uh, night climbing. What do you think that is? And it's not what you may suspect. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you or I would get up to. It's then. not. It's not the sort of thing we'd get up to, Charles. It's not climbing into night me, climbing Let, into bed. Is it? it <laughs> uh, uh, is a, is night climbing? Um, is it going out at night and climbing walls? I mean, like essentially, essentially, it's uh, it's students of the uni and stuff and all the all that sort of thing climbing on the college buildings. Um, what happened oh. is some of them weren't just content with scaling the century-old structures, have used night climbing to commit several inventive pranks. Very good, very good. Do we expect to see any night climbing happening on Saturday at Sixfields? Well, I think one one key thing, if the game's boring, keep an eye on the floodlight pylons and you might see some Cambridge fans scaling them. <laughs> Brilliant. Right then, well, let's get to some predictions. Uh, Jesse, Saturday, 3pm, Cambridge United. At home at Sixfields, what are you going with? Uh, one one draw. Are you are you making the trip from Somerset this weekend? Is, is are you and Sean back on the train? Um, it's a contentious issue, Charles, in the household. Um, oh. because on, I don't know whether you were aware, but on Friday night, Sean said to me at half past nine, "We're going to watch Cobbers tomorrow." Um, so I have a funny feeling that he is going to arrive from Ben Nevis around i don't know eight o'clock tomorrow night and he's probably gonna say oh get some cambridge tickets we're gonna go to that one and we'll probably end up going um he normally does this he kind of goes oh yeah we'll go and it, and we'll probably go for about three or four in a row and then he'll give up for a while because they lose and then uh he'll be back on again in when they start winning again so it's normally a bit of a cycle so i, I don't know yet possibly okay well uh i'm going to go with a i'm gonna go with a two one victory uh, this this time around, I, I'd, I'd love to say we'd win two nil, but I just can't see us doing that three times in a row. I mean, you're lucky I'm saying that we'll win three days, uh, three games in a row. Um, but we'll go with two one, and I, I think the turn dog will get a goal, and I think Harry Smith will get one as well. Uh, I'm going to go two two all, two all, back two on all. the Desmonds, back on the Desmonds, yeah, on that train. I'm going to go two all, uh, and I'm going to say our goals will come from. I I actually think Harry Smith might get one. Good. And I think we will see a goal from Scott Pollock again. Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That would certainly yeah. be nice. Well, hopefully, we'll be back here on Tuesday again next week. I, I, I'm sorry for being late. Um, this is what happens when family have weddings down in the wrong end of the country. So I apologise for that. But hopefully we'll be back next Tuesday for you. And hopefully we'll also have a really good result to be talking about again. Thanks to Chessy. Thanks to Neil for joining me. Don't forget, keep letting us know your thoughts on the podcast. We've had some brilliant comments recently, which have been absolutely fantastic. And I promise you we'll get back to the post bag again next week and we'll have a proper dip into it and see what Neil's got for us. Uh, but until then, goodbye. Bye, Ash. Miss you, Danny. Oh, Danny. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. 
Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.